Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So, yeah, I used the savings from switching to Progressive 50 years ago to finally buy my dream car. It's a self-driving flying car, but we just say self-flying now. You know, because it's the future, and cars fly in the future. So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. It is game day on Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips with Wes Mitchell. Glad to have you along for the last game of the season. New Year's Day matchup for the Gamecocks and the Michigan Wolverines in the Outback Bowl. Noon kickoff on New Year's Day on ESPN2. Wes, happy holidays. Welcome in. Hey, man. Glad to be back. Uh, happy holidays to you as well. Um, man, one uh, one final football game. It is actually very hard for me to believe that we're here at this point. Uh, but uh, excited for a good game, man. I think it's a very intriguing matchup for uh, South Carolina. I see a lot of similarities between these two teams, Wes, and we're going to get into some of that today. But, you know, first and foremost, the Gamecocks very happy to be playing in the Outback Bowl. You know, there was talk that Carolina uh, early in the season, it was, you know, hopefully Carolina can get to six wins and maybe maybe the Belk Bowl would be good in Charlotte. And then later in the year we heard possibly the Gator Bowl, but South Carolina ends up in the Outback Bowl, a very familiar destination for Gamecock fans and a little bit bigger payday as well, Wes, and a New Year's Day game. You know, it's good for the program to be uh, playing in this noon slot on New Year's Day. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's exciting. I, I think that, um, you know, for, for South Carolina to get to play in this slot, and I, I think for, um, you know, for South Carolina to, to make it back to a New Year's Day ball just here in, in year two, it, it shows progress. Now, you know, I think the, the critics and the cynics will point out that South Carolina hasn't beaten a, a ton of great teams on their schedule, but uh, you know, at the same time, I think you look at it and uh, beating beating a bunch of bad teams is uh, very, very much preferable to the other side of that, which is uh, losing to some bad teams. Um, so I, I think if you're South Carolina, you beat as many teams as you can on your schedule. Hey, man, I, I tell people all the time there on our premium message board, the recruits don't really give a crap what teams you beat. They're not going through your schedule, um, you know, trying to pick out, well, was that a good team or is that a good team? They see progress. And if you win eight games or, or nine games potentially with a win uh, here today, then uh, they're going to see very real progress for the South Carolina program. And I, I think that's something the Gamecocks, um, you know, as a fan base, need to focus on. Um, forget about what the team in the upstate is doing. Forget about what the team in Athens is doing. And, uh, you know, focus on South Carolina and, and continually – trying to build this thing the right way. And I think that's what Muschamp and company are trying to do. 
Wes, the Gamecocks definitely are showing progress. South Carolina is the only Power 5 team in the country that has improved its win total each of the last two years. And if the Gamecocks can beat Michigan today, it would mark just the seventh time in the history of the program, 124 seasons of Gamecock football, that Carolina has won nine or more games in a single season. So that would be a huge achievement. There's no doubt about that. And the progress that Will Muschamp and the staff are making, I think, is self-evident. Uh, now, on the other side of the coin for Michigan, you know, it's identical record to the Gamecocks at 8-4, and four, but their season may be considered a little bit of a disappointment, even though they're extremely young and they've got a lot of people coming back next year. You know, springboard game for Michigan as well. But uh, the fact that Michigan lost to the four biggest opponents that they faced during the regular season, you know, they lost to Michigan State, they lost to Penn State, and then they lost two in a row at the end of the year to Wisconsin and to its arch rival, Ohio State. So that's the similarity that I see, Wes. You know, both the Gamecocks and Michigan uh, beat everybody they were supposed to beat, but they didn't really beat anybody uh, of any note. You know, they didn't beat anybody strong this year. So an opportunity today for both teams to wrap up the year with a nice win and a bowl game and, you know, get a little bit of momentum and get that, that feel-good feeling, that sensation going into spring ball and preparations for 2018. Yeah, I agree, man. And, you know, Steve Spurrier used to talk about the fact that um, – you know, he sort of took it to an extreme. He said fan bases didn't care about the season if you didn't win your bowl game because hmm. um, of that Philly you get going into the off season. Uh, everybody's everybody's happy after a win for the most part. Um, yeah, you're still gonna have people pick apart some negatives of what's happening, but everybody's just in a better mood. I think if you finish the season on a high note and uh, everything just feels a little bit better. So, so both these sides are sort of looking for that marquee win. You know, like you said, uh, Michigan didn't really have a marquee win either. You can go back. That that opener with Florida was still to be a very, very big game at the time. But uh, you look, obviously Florida was not what we thought they could be coming into the season. South Carolina beat Florida as well. So, um, you know, that Michigan win over Florida really is not as impressive on paper as maybe it appeared to be at first start. Uh, you have two teams that have struggled offensively, two teams that have been good defensively. Um, there there are a lot of similarities. Now, from a scheme standpoint, it's a bit it's a bit different on both sides. But um, as far as how their seasons have gone, both sides are sort of looking. I don't I don't know necessarily if Michigan would consider beating South Carolina, you know, like a marquee win. But both sides are looking for sort of vindication about what their season has been. And certainly for South Carolina, um, if they could beat another name program in a bowl, that that goes a long way for them, man. And and I keep going back to that to that number nine. Um, three wins when Muschamp takes over, six wins, you know, in year one, and then if you get to nine in year two, uh, all, you know, all this social media and all these graphics and stuff that um, you know Justin King and his partner put out. Uh, I think being able to say you improved from three to six to nine um, is just a very real showing of progress. Yeah, exponential improvement for the Gamecocks if they can get to nine wins today. we got a noon kickoff in the Outback Bowl, Gamecocks and Michigan Wolverines, and Michigan about a seven-and-a-half-point favorite right now heading into this uh, New Year's Day bowl slate. So, Wes, let's talk about Gamecock injuries first before we get into some of the specific matchups in today's game that we'll be keeping an eye on. Give us a Gamecock football injury report. We know that Rico Dowdle is out. Obviously, uh, Debo Samuel will not play today. There had been some hope, uh, you know, weeks ago that both those two might be back. 
and available for a possible bowl game for the Gamecocks, but we know Dowdle and Samuel are out today. What about Casey Crosby? Yeah, it looks like Casey Crosby is going to be able to go. Um, you know, some other guys are banged up there. You look at Zach Bailey, he's sort of been limited in practice at time there at right tackle. Donnell Stanley has been limited at time there. Um, I, I think most of the guys are going to give it a shot. I would say they're more um, sort of game-time decisions, and they'll, they'll manage their um, snaps as the, as the uh, game goes along and see how they're um, doing. Uh, so Darius Hutchinson would sort of be your other option there at uh, Donnell Stanley's spot. Blake Camper probably slides in at right tackle if Zach Bailey has to come out. Both those guys, you know, they'll see how they feel. Um, you know, later on uh, today, as far as uh, leading into the game, um, and, and obviously, if you look at it from a matchup standpoint, um, the the fact that you're talking about a really good defensive front uh, that South Carolina's offensive line is going to go up against uh, those those two guys being banged up. I, I think, and, and how well they can play, if they can play, all that stuff. That that's a key factor in this game as well. I think. Yeah, let's talk about that Michigan defense a little bit, West. They're third in the country in total defense. Their front seven is outstanding. You know, I don't know if they're on par with Clemson or NC State, but they're very close. And statistically, you know, they're as good as any defensive unit in the country. They're the top pass defense in the nation. And uh, Michigan's defense has really carried that ball club this year. So talk about the problems that South Carolina will face there. Michigan's got the Big Ten sack leader. And they've got some other components, some key players on that defensive line that are going to be tough to block today. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows about uh, Rayshon Gary, former number one player in the country, according to rivals. But if you look at their defensive front, top to bottom, man, they have a lot of good players. There's depth there um, all the way across the board. These are guys that get after it. They can feed on you. Uh, they're second in the Big Ten with over 100 tackles for loss this season. They're going to they're gonna be in your backfield. And I, I think for South Carolina, um, it's one of those things where I don't, I don't think anybody's going to go into this game having expectations for South Carolina's front to just dominate their defensive line. It, it's more about just managing their defensive line. You know, you, you're, you know, sometimes it's about the expectation there. And to me, the expectation for them to just go, you know, rush for 220 yards or something and, and win the game up front for South Carolina probably not very realistic but i think what you have to do is avoid those negative plays get yourself in you know second and sevens instead of seconds and elevens and you know avoid sacks stuff like that and 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 find a way because you're not facing a team that is very explosive offensively so you know if you can sort of manage things and stay out of those negative situations and not turn the football over against Michigan, you're going to have a chance to outscore them. You know, I, I think you probably compare Michigan most closely to Clemson's front uh, defensively. And we saw they were very good. Um, I thought South Carolina handled them a bit better up front than they did the year before. Obviously, the game didn't go South Carolina's way overall, but I'm talking about that particular matchup. The O-line, I thought, just handled what Clemson threw at them a little bit better. So, But the difference being Michigan, you know, Clemson has an explosive offense with playmakers on it. I'm not sure Michigan really has that where you're having to match up with that offensively. So for South Carolina and, and handling those guys, man, I think it's just about sort of managing things and, and trying to grind out 
I mean, what would you say, Anderson? I, I think for Carolina to win, it's going to be like more of a 21 to 17, 24 to 21. Yes, sir. Um, something like that. Once you start creeping above that number, then I, I think it, it gets difficult to say South Carolina is going to win this game. Yeah, the Gamecocks only given up 20 points a ball game this year. Marked improvement for the Gamecock defense under Will Muschamp in his uh, second year here. So, Wes, you know, in addition to a very stout Michigan defense that the Gamecocks are going to have to deal with today, there is, you know, what may be the top story of this game going into the matchup, and that is that uh, Kurt Roper, the Gamecock offensive coordinator, was let go shortly after the end of the regular season. And Gamecock wide receivers coach Brian McClendon will handle play calling during this bowl game. So, you know, first chance for McClendon to call the plays for the Gamecocks, and he's going to be doing it against one of the best defenses in the nation. Yeah, I think it's the, you know, Muschamp said that this is a tryout for him. This is basically a long interview. Uh, but it, it, it's a difficult interview, I, I think. Uh, you know, you look at what South Carolina was able to do in the bowl last year offensively against South Florida, and, you know, that was really not a very good South Florida defense. South Carolina went up and down the field against those guys with Kurt Roper as their offensive coordinator. And then, you know, you look at the offense this year, uh, still no Debo Samuel, something we've talked about on the podcast all year long, Emerson, no Rico Daddle. Um, you know, McClendon's going to be facing some of those same issues that um, Kurt Roper faced week in, week out, ever since Debo Samuel went down. So uh, you, you got those issues, plus you're facing a, uh, a defense that's been very, very good, uh, you know, top ten nationally in a lot of categories. Uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty special defense he's going to be going up against. And I, I don't think you can go out saying, you know, the offense has got to score 35 points in order to give McClendon the job. You know, I, I think it's much more about uh, the preparation leading into it. Does he make good adjustments in the game? Does he have a good feel for the game? Because going back to Kurt Roper, you know, and I did defend Kurt Roper at times. At the end of the day, I, I do think that, Muschamp had to make a change because the offense, at the end of the day, just needed to be more productive, um, period. Um, but, you know, McClendon's going to be facing some of those same issues that, that Roper did as far as personnel being out and, mm. and guys being banged up. So it, it's going to be kind of difficult. And I, I think, if, you know, if you say what, what was Roper's biggest issue, I think, you know, people will tell you the guy actually had a very good offensive mind, but at times the knack or the feel for the game as far as play calling um, is something that I think is questioned as far as Roper goes. So that's something I'm going to be paying attention to as far as Brian McClendon goes. Um, How does it seem his feel for the game um, in those key situations plays out? Uh, Does the team look prepared? Logistically, do you get plays in quickly? Can they show some tempo? Um, Do they look like guys that are comfortable out there with the game plan? Uh, stuff like that is something you can pay attention to that's not really directly about how many points do you score. Wes, if we go back to the summer, I remember you know recording podcasts with you and talking about tempo for the Gamecock offense and how Kurt Roper and Will Muschamp and uh, the rest of the Gamecock coaches had hoped to have a faster-paced offense coming into the se- season. That was the plan. That was the talk. But we didn't really see that this year, sure. Wes, I don't believe. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but – Pace, tempo of the offense, still maybe a concern, you know, this late in the year. And what one thing we've heard from Gamecock players coming out of practice in preparation for this bowl game is that, uh, you know, schematically the play calling 
the plays will largely be the same with McClendon as the offensive coordinator for the Outback Bowl, but the pace of the offense could be a little bit quicker. Do you expect to see that today? Yeah, I do to an extent. You know, I don't think South Carolina can magically morph into a team that's going to be, uh, you know, Oregon or, or Florida Atlantic or, or some <laughs> of these teams that, that really go fast all the time. But right. I, I think, um, you know, that's something they want to put in. There were times, I mean, I remember open practices when Muschamp first got to South Carolina, and uh, they were going fast like crazy in practice and we were all saying okay this is what we're going to see it's going to be tempo and then you get to last season there's so many young players and uh you know putting in a new defense as well so they're trying to protect them and you say well uh, i can understand them not going fast this year and then you go into this year and you you know you think well there's probably going to be a little more tempo and i you know to be completely frank and honest had sort of assumed um a lot of that was was much champ sort of dialing it back, saying, look, we've got to protect the defense. You know, that's a very Nick Saban um, sort of thought process. Shorten the game. Uh, you don't have much depth on defense. Um, play to win the game as opposed to play to, you know, score a whole bunch of points because there, there's a, there's different ways to win a football game, you know. But, you know, from what we've heard since, Muschamp does want more pace. He does want the guys to play faster. And, that's something we're going to see. And I, I think there's there's some versatility to what the guys already know. Um, and what I mean by that is that there are plays within this scheme that have already been taught that are in the playbook that maybe have not been called, um, you know, on game day. So I, I think um, we'll maybe see some things. You can't just install an entire new offense. I think we all know that. But – you can call the plays within that offense and that scheme differently. You can have a different strategy within the offense. You can have a different pace within the offense. You can add different um, pre-snap motions within the same offense. You know, I think, especially with a month's time, there's some things that he can do to put his stamp on it. Then, whoever is the offensive coordinator, whether it's Brian McClendon or whether it's outside hire, after this game, you know, that's when you start to really say what what needs to stay and what needs to be scrapped, and, and you put your own fingerprint in it. But I think what you do now is you take what's already within the scheme and then you you do those sort of different things that I'm talking about. Wes, from a number standpoint, you know, this game seems pretty simple to break down. If you look at it strictly from the numbers, the Gamecocks are 8-0 this year when they rush for 184 yards or more. And six times this year, Michigan has held opponents to under 100 yards rushing. That was half their season. They held their opponents to under 100 yards a game. And I think the magic number for Michigan was 103. When they held their opponent to under 103, they were 8-0, and they were 0-4 if they gave up more than 103 on the ground. So, you know, ground game always wow. important in terms of, you know, being able to establish the line of scrimmage and the, and the tempo of the game, the pace of play as well, and how long your defense is going to stay on the field. So, how much success do you think South Carolina will be able to have against this very good Michigan defense running the football, and will that be the key again today? You know, what are the odds the Gamecocks get to 185 on the ground against this Michigan defense? Yeah, I think um, that's where you maybe do have to show those guys some wrinkles, you know, show you know, show some breaks in your tendencies as far as your running game goes. Um, you know, just throw something. You know, you can – you can't change the offense, but you can install a few new plays in, you know, in, in this amount of time. So I think you need to give Michigan something to think about, something to slow down 
their guys being able to just jump off the ball and, and sort of know what you're doing. And, uh, you know, at the same time, we've talked about it all year long, ever since when South Carolina has run the football, they, you know, they've won the football games. Uh, I think the NC State game is probably the only game this year where South Carolina did not have success running the football and they were still able to win the game. The other game where they've not been able to run it, they've not won. When they have been able to run it, they have they have won the game. So, you know, it's interesting how those two things line up with Michigan's defense and with South Carolina's offense. So, getting that number, you know, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be easy. You know, I think Rico Daddle being back in the mix would have been nice for South Carolina, uh, especially if he was 100%. But uh, from a long-term standpoint, it uh, wasn't going to do anybody any good to hobble Rico Daddle out there and, uh, and let him possibly get hurt even more. So South Carolina's got to go with what they got and uh, and see if they can get to that number. I'm, uh, you know, it's hard for me to predict one way or the other, but I, I think you're you're on it, man. I, I think that's a huge key in this football game. Wes, the Gamecocks did not run it particularly well against NC State, like you said, but they still found a way to win that football game due in large part to the fact that Carolina forced a couple of key NC State turnovers. South Carolina led the SEC in takeaways this year, Wes, plus nine in turnover margin for the Gamecocks. Big part of the reason for South Carolina's success this year was that turnover margin. Michigan's minus two in turnovers this year. So, you know, on paper, again, you would think this is an area that the Gamecocks might be able to take advantage of and exploit Michigan, taking the football away from their redshirt freshman quarterback, Brandon Peters, who – did not throw an interception during the season, but he only played in four games and is returning from an injury. He didn't play in the Ohio State game at the end of the season for Michigan. But, you know, turnovers have been a real strong suit for the Gamecocks this year, Wes. They've taken it away, and the offense has done a pretty good job of not committing them. Yeah, you know, that's something we talk about about every week. It's, uh, that's part of the culture at South Carolina. That's part of the DNA of what they teach defensively. And, you know, they don't use a turnover chain. Um, on the sideline to show it, but you know you can tell that it doesn't take long being around this staff uh, for you to be able to tell just how important that is um, to, to what they do. And when you know that's another thing, when South Carolina is getting turnovers, they tend to win those games. When they're not, uh, you know that that's when it's been a little more difficult for them. So I, I think you look at Michigan, you look at South Carolina's defense, Emerson. I don't know if they do a whole lot that really just scares you. I, I look at some of the weapons South Carolina's had to square off against this year. Um, certainly what Clemson has um, in the skill department. Uh, certainly what Georgia had in their backfield. Uh, Christian Kirk at Texas A&M. NC State, uh, man, you look back and look what NC State did to Arizona State the other day. Um, mm. You know, those guys got weapons galore. I, I watched I went back and watched Michigan, um, you know, some of the uh, Wisconsin game, some of the Ohio State game, some of the Rutgers game. I don't know if they have a bunch of guys skill-wise that just scare you. Um, so, you know, you look at loading the box on these guys, um, trying to force Brandon Peters to beat you. I think that's something South Carolina can do because, um, you know, I think they'll load the box, obviously. They'll put an extra guy in there. Against Georgia, he looked – they loaded the box, but because of some of Georgia's other weapons, they had to play off their receivers on the edge. You remember everybody complaining about them giving up those easy, quick throws. Um, I guess Clemson, you had to do some of that as well. Plus, you had to you had to sort of 
put a guy in support of the quarterback run. That had to be his sort of long uh, responsibility. So you're taking a guy either out of coverage or taking away a guy that you could have otherwise blitzed. Um, against Michigan, I think something that works in Carolina's favor is that these receivers, to me, don't look elite or great. They're running back, run hard, and they're solid. I wouldn't call them elite or great. And their quarterback is not a runner. So I think you can sell out against these guys a little bit and, and you know, do some things to stop them offensively and go from there. We've seen South Carolina stop the run pretty well this year. So yep. I uh, – I actually kind of think that matchup may play into their favor a bit, Emerson. This is an old-school Michigan football, particularly on offense. You know, they're a run-first football team. They're not going to throw it a lot, but they're good in the trenches on both sides of the football, and that's the strength of the Michigan football team here as we preview the Outback Bowl on Gamecock Central Radio, South Carolina, and Michigan set for noon kickoff on New Year's Day. It'll be in Tampa, and the game will be televised by ESPN2. Wes, we look at uh, the Gamecocks, you know, final game today for all Gamecock seniors and also for Hayden Hurst. And it'll be interesting to see how involved the Gamecocks were able to get Hayden Hurst in the game plan today. There was talk that Hayden, you know, might consider skipping the bowl game and getting ready for the NFL draft. But he came out and said that's not in his DNA to do something like that. And he's going to finish what he started at South Carolina. So for Gamecock fans, you know, a chance to uh, get a look at Hayden Hurst in the garnet and black one last time. Uh, you think about other Gamecocks playing their final game today. Sky Moore, Gamecocks all-time leader in interceptions, most ever interceptions by an SEC linebacker at 14, and he's actually tied for the Carolina all-time record in that department right now. So uh, Sky needs one more pick today to become the all-time leader alone by himself in that category, currently tied with Bo Davies. So, you know, a chance for Gamecock fans just to pay a little bit of respect to these Gamecocks who have had fantastic careers, Hayden Hurst and Sky Moore, just a couple of them, Wes. Yeah, man, I uh, I think those are guys, and I always sort of um, allow myself, uh, you know, as covering the team, and I, I always mention to the fans, too, I think at this point you sort of have to sit back and let yourself enjoy seeing them play. You know, um, you, uh, you, you look and – College is way different than, than following an NFL team. You know, three or four years go by, and these guys are, are going, you know, on to, on to the next level. So you got to sort of let yourself appreciate their abilities that they bring to the table. And uh, I think you look at those two guys, you know, what will I remember most about each? Uh, I think Sky Moore probably has, I was going to say some of, but I, I think I'm going to go ahead and say he has the best instincts I've ever seen as a Carolina linebacker um, since I've been following this program. Uh, the ability to get to the football, both in the running game and in the passing game, to know where the ball is going um, naturally is just incredible. So Sky has been outstanding in that in that aspect. And then Hayden Hurst, I think, will be known for just being maybe literally the hardest worker on the team being that guy who's not only one of your best players, but is also one of your hardest workers and leading the way for his teammates. I, I don't know if we've talked enough about what a phenomenal leader Hayden Hurst has been. So um, obviously he's a great player. We all see that. We see the numbers. Um, and I'll I tell you what, to take it to this game in particular, uh, for one, I, I hope Scott Moore gets that pick, man. That, that would be fitting. But two, I, if I'm South Carolina, I'm, I'm feeding Hayden Hurst. Uh, 
you know, if I'm Brian McClendon and I want this job, uh, I think throwing the football at 81 is, is a really, really good idea. Yeah. You know, like if, if you can get him matched up with some of Michigan's linebackers potentially um, in, in man coverage, because they do play a lot of man coverage. If you can get him matched up, um, you know, Hayden Hurst catching 13 passes for 150 yards um, sounds like a really, really good uh, idea for Brian McClendon. Number of Gamecock seniors playing their final games today. Uh, Alan Knott, the fantastic center for the South Carolina offensive line. He's a senior. Corey Helms and DJ Park, a couple of other offensive linemen in the Garnet and Black for the last time today. And on defense, Wes, a handful of players who have played a big part in turning around this Gamecock defense that, you know, just two years ago was not in good shape. You look at Dante Sawyer. Taylor Stallworth, what a fantastic player he's been over the years from Mobile, Alabama. Also, Ulrich Jones, who's made some plays at times this year for the Gamecocks. And uh, on the back end of the defense, DJ Smith at safety, Jamarcus King at corner, and Chris Lamonds as well, all play in their final games. It's been a tough road for these this group of seniors. Wes, you know, things were not good here two years ago, so they've been here through thick and thin, and they are starting to see a little bit of success. It's good for these fellas to go out playing in a New Year's Day bowl game like the Outback Bowl. Yeah, it really is, man. And a lot of those guys have graduated now. I think, um, you know, another guy out of that bunch that you mentioned that, that stands out to me is uh, is Chris Lamont. You know, this is the kid that, that came in um, at, at a time when it looked like South Carolina was really, really rolling as a program. And uh, then you look at a, a kid who sort of had to, to go through those lows like you talked about. And, and then he has uh, T-Rob come in and, um, you know, I, I think has done a really good job developing. And, and now he's shown that he can play uh, some safety and, and play that position well, too. Uh, a kid that went through a lot of adversity early on in his, uh, in his life uh, that he's had to fight through from a personal standpoint, uh, deaths in the family, um, to be able to come back not only – you know, finish out his time at South Carolina, but to um, graduate uh, is pretty amazing. Was on the SEC academic honor roll a bunch of times. Um, he's a guy that I think, um, just from a personal standpoint, you just have to sort of be be proud of what he's done. Um, you know, he uh, he actually lost both his parents, I think, at the age of eleven. So uh, for for him to do that and, and you know, excel on the field and in the classroom. I, I think um, it's not to take anything away from any of those other guys as well. They've, they've all accomplished a lot, but uh, Chris Lamont's just sort of, uh, um, you know, that, that touches you a little bit to see what he's been able to do. Sure does. Yeah, Chris Lamont's been a fantastic ball player for the Gamecocks and a good group of seniors that the Gamecocks will be saying goodbye to today with this Outback Bowl game. Noon kickoff here on New Year's Day on ESPN2, Emerson Phillips and Wes Mitchell with you on the Gamecock Central Game Day podcast. So, Wes, uh, we can go ahead and get the keys to victory now. We're going to hear from Andrew Villancourt from thewolverine.com. That's our, our Rivals Network partner that covers Michigan. And we're also going to hear from Gamecock Central staff writer Colin Taylor. Uh, they'll touch on some of the things that we talked about here today. Wes, overall, you know, a chance to uh, get that win going into the offseason. And I don't know that we've talked about that enough today, but that really is uh, – you know, the bowl game, you touched on it in the beginning. Spurrier said that if you don't win your bowl game, your fans aren't really interested going into the offseason. And I think there's some truth to that because the bowl game sets the tone for the upcoming offseason. So we're going to find out 
what's in store for the Gamecocks today. Big underdog, West, seven and a half point dog against Michigan. Yeah, and I, you know, I get that. I think that's probably fair. But hey, man, this team's been underdog pretty much all year long. I feel like, and um, they've played that role very, very well, um, and uh, have been able to um, win a bunch of games where they have been the underdog. So I, I think that. It's a situation for South Carolina where they've got another chance to go do that. I, um, you know, not, I'm I'm picking South Carolina to win this game on uh, on the site. Uh, you know, I I think I'm trying to think if I I know I missed the Kentucky game. Um, I think I've hit on I think I've hit on the others this year. So um, I'm, I'm gonna go out on a little bit of a limb. I had them losing to Clemson, losing to A&M, losing to Georgia, um, and I, I had them winning the games they won. So I, I think I've hit on them all but, against, but Kentucky. But I'm going to go out on a little bit of win here. I think South Carolina plays well, and I, I think they uh, they find a way to win this game, Emerson. I, I really do. So I, I think the Gamecock fans may be, uh, may be happy this afternoon. All right, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. And uh, obviously after today we're going to turn our attention – really to the offensive coordinator search. If it's not going to be Brian McClendon, it'll be interesting to see who the Gamecocks are able to bring in. And, Wes, before we sign it off today and before we get to our keys to victory, talk about the offensive coordinator position. You know, it seems to me that Muschamp is going to bring in a man that's going to set up his offense around the talent that he's got already in the program. He's not going to try to change the players and force them into his system. He's going to fit the system around the players that are already in place. So give us a general idea, you know, what Muschamp is looking for in that regard. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see McClendon get the job. He's only 33 years old. A lot of folks feel like McClendon is certainly a capable play caller and will probably be calling plays somewhere in the next couple of years. If it's at South Carolina, great. But if he may get an opportunity somewhere else uh, if he doesn't become the play caller for the Gamecocks. So just you know, generally speaking, what is Muschamp looking for in an offensive coordinator? Yeah, I think he is looking for a guy that he ultimately can turn the entire offense over to and say, go do what you need to do and not have to worry about that side of the ball. Just like, you know, Spurrier wanted a defensive coordinator that he could do that with. Um, you know, you look and yeah, I think uh, Brian McClendon is someone who ultimately one day uh, is going to be an offensive coordinator. Ultimately, it's one day going to be a head coach and a really good one, I think. So I think everybody who's been around him believes that. I think the question becomes, is he ready? And can Muschamp roll that dice on letting a guy have the job that has not really called plays before? So, um, you know, I, I think we have a decent idea of what the staff might look like if Matt gets it. You know, you're still going to have two, two sides to fill. Um you know, I, I've mentioned some of those names in my Carolina Confidential on the Insiders Forum. Um, you know, I, I I won't give away all those names out of respect for our subscribers, but I, I think what you would look, um, based on what Muschamp has said previously, based on what he said about the 10th assistant spot, um, I, I think Larry Scott is a guy to keep an eye on, um, not as the offense coordinator, but as an assistant. He has a special teams background, which is something Muschamp has mentioned. He's coached a number of positions. He brings a recruiting angle from to south from the South Florida area. Uh, this is the uh, the former uh, Miami interim coach, former Tennessee special teams coordinator and Tennessee offense coordinator. I think that's a guy to keep an eye on on a potential Brian McClendon staff. That, that gives you a little bit of flexibility. You know, you also get to hire a tenth assistant. 
um, as well, starting on January 9th. Uh, so there's a lot of flexibility in how Muschamp could do this. Do you keep Brian McClendon, but then try to load up with enough guys to try and help him out, help him succeed? Um, or do you bring in, you know, another guy and sort of jump Brian McClendon and just let him sort of try to rebuild this scheme to, to something different? Um, it is a very, very, I think, difficult and important decision for Will Muschamp moving forward. This this week, uh, moving forward after the Outback Bowl, is going to be very, very important for South Carolina's future, I think. And it, it's been almost a moving target, Emerson, because we don't know, A, if they're going to be filling a staff um, out with those final couple spots for Brian McClendon or filling it out for an outside hire. I don't think from everything I've been told that Muschamp's made a decision on that yet. And as far as outside hire, offensive coordinator, potential names, Muschamp has been very, very close to the vest on this thing. Hmm. So it's not much has leaked out at all. You know, there's smoke out there, but you don't know how much of that is just – I mean, you, you can have agents slipping their guys' names out there you know, guys can leak their own names out there in the media. Um, not much of what's out there is coming from the South Carolina end. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, I guess, week, you would say. Yeah. I, I think by January 9, you know, Muschamp has said he wants to have the – he's going to go ahead and hire the 10th assistant on January 9. Um, I think that's a good date to circle, though, for this OC hire as well. Right, so just because the season is coming to an end today does not mean that there will not be plenty to talk about surrounding Gamecock football in the weeks ahead. We've got the offensive coordinator opening, and obviously the Gamecocks are going to sign some more players on signing day coming up in early February. And before you know it, we will be into year three of the Will Muschamp era and the start of spring practice coming up in 2018. So a lot to look forward to here on Gamecock Central. Let's get the keys to victory today, and we will start with Michigan's keys, and we're going to check in with Andrew Valancourt. He covers the Wolverines for thewolverine.com. That's our Rivals Network partner covering the Michigan Wolverines. And here is Andrew Valancourt with Michigan's keys to victory today. So the keys for Michigan to pull out a victory here in this Outback Bowl against South Carolina, uh, number one is turnover margin. Uh, the turnover battle is going to be huge in this game. South Carolina – uh, plus nine in turnover margin compared to Michigan, who's at minus two. Uh, despite how good Michigan's defense has been, uh, they haven't necessarily been able to come away with as many turnovers as fans would like. And, of course, that number is also uh, inflated because of how many turnovers Michigan has had on offense. So they're going to have to take care of the ball. Brandon Peters has done a good job of that this season uh, when he's played. Uh, running backs are going to have to continue to hold on to the ball. And I think that's a crucial area for Michigan because South Carolina is not going to be able to score enough on their own uh, without a turnover from Michigan. So if Michigan can keep the ball in their hands, uh, then that that will bode well for the Wolverines. Uh, number two is the Michigan front seven just has to keep doing what it's been doing all season, and that's get to the quarterback. Uh, make Jake Bentley uncomfortable in the pocket. Make him run around. Uh, make, make him make throws before he wants to, that sort of thing. Uh, Michigan is the number one pass defense in the country, and so if they're able to get back there uh, and get to Bentley, uh, things are only going to go the Wolverines' way. And then number three, which has been a problem for Michigan all season long, uh, has been not allowing sacks. Uh, the offensive line has been very inconsistent this year for Michigan. Uh, it's resulted in both Wilton Spate and Brandon Peters getting injured. 
uh, and John O'Corn had to run around quite a bit as well. Uh, so Peters, in his first game back from the concussion he suffered against Wisconsin, uh, it'll be big for Michigan, obviously, in their chances to win, but also uh, Peters' confidence just to know that he can survive back there uh, behind this Michigan offensive line. Uh, so those would be my three keys of the game for Michigan. All right, thank you, Andrew. That's Andrew Valencourt from TheWolverine.com. And now for Gamecock keys to victory, let's send it over to our friend Colin Taylor, Gamecock Central staff writer. He's got Gamecock keys to victory over Michigan in today's Outback Bowl. This is obviously one of you know South Carolina's biggest defensive tests of the year. Um, Michigan's front seven is arguably up there with you know one of the best they faced all year. Um, Clemson's is probably better, but I wouldn't say by much. Um, you know, South Carolina's going to have to, uh, I think, spread the ball around. I think you're going to see a lot of what they did against NC State. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of passes in the flat, uh, trying to spread them out a little bit. Uh, but they got to be able to get the ball in the space uh, because Michigan uh, is going to stop the run and it's going to get to Jake Bentley. So he's got to get the ball out quick. Um, and defensively, they're going to, you know, Michigan's uh, been a little inconsistent on offense. Their offense isn't great. Uh, but uh, defensively, they're just—they're going to have to stop the run. Uh, we say it every week, but uh, if they can force, you know, whoever's quarterback in Michigan, Brandon Peters, um, it, it, they're going to have to make him beat South Carolina. I think that if he does, I think they can live with it. But they're going to have to be able to stop the run and um, force them to be really one-dimensional in terms of offensive philosophy. So if, if they do that, uh, I think they can win. Um, I'm expecting a really low-scoring game because both defenses are pretty good and both offenses kind of sputtered at points this season. Um, so I think that, you know, you get ready for a, maybe one or two touchdowns on the entire day. Um, it, it's going to be a defensive slugfest. But I think South Carolina can, you know, spread the ball out and get into space and create mismatches and then stop the run, then uh, they'll be in pretty good shape to win this football game. You know, this is a, a big game for the program to kind of show some recruits in the, who are still deciding in the 2018 class and, you know, obviously the 2019 and 2020 classes um, kind of show them the progress that they've made under, you know, Will Muschamp for a couple years and um, kind of keep building on some, some momentum because, you know, a, a lot can determine, you know, you win a bowl game and it helps off-season workouts and makes players a little bit more willing to wake up before in the morning to run, um, kind of knowing that their fruits could pay off with a, a New Year's Day bowl win. So I think this is huge uh, for them and um, kind of building momentum going forward. All right, thanks very much, Colin. There you have it, uh, Wes. Gamecock keys to victory. A lot of what we talked about this year, you know, take care of the football, win the battle in the trenches, try to control the line of scrimmage, although that's going to be easier said today against this good Michigan front on both sides of the ball. Uh, in today's Outback Bowl. So, great way to wrap up the year here, West. And if the Gamecocks can get this win, nine wins in a season for just the seventh time in the history of the program. Man, this would be a hell of a year. Yeah, it could be, man. It could be. And we'll, of course, uh, break it all down, the good, bad, and the ugly on Gamecock Central and following week. After that, we'll be talking offensive coordinator, talking about name, um, all that and more. I'm sure there'll be a lot of infighting, you know, between the fan base as well, as, as always. It should be fun. But, um, uh, let, let's do it again, man, and uh, we'll uh, let, let's do a, a wrap-up podcast for everybody to listen to um, about the entire season, maybe later this week, um, after we find out what happens later on today in this Outback Bowl. Yeah, we'll do it. Wes, appreciate your hard work. I know how hard you and Chris and Colin and everybody with Gamecock Central work to cover Gamecock football in particular. You know, that's kind of our bread and butter 
And I know that uh, oh, yeah. our, our subscribers appreciate everything that you do. And, you know, I read everything we put on the website, too. So just wanted to thank you and wish you a Happy New Year. Thanks, Wes. Happy New Year to you as well, man. Happy New Year to everybody listening. We'll uh, talk to you soon, man. All right, looking forward to doing it again soon here. We'll have a season recap when we come back on Gamecock Central Radio. That'll do it for now. Happy New Year, friends, and enjoy the Outback Bowl. For Wes Mitchell, I'm Emerson Phillips. It's Gamecock Central's Game Day Podcast. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.